Put paste and d d d like cre creates. For decades now, running's cousin sport, cycling, has understood the power of power. It's the ultimate objective metric in a lot of areas of our lives, including endurance sports training and racing. How does power in running work? I mean, we have heart rate, pace, and the very accurate rate of perceived exertion, RPE. But how can you use running power to train and race smarter? And is it even for you? Find out the answer to that question and more on this episode of Trees and D-Lake. Don't master a lot, don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none, just be a master of some. What is up? Welcome to Trees and D-Lake, a podcast series by Mike Trees and yours truly, Darren D-Lake Creates. In this series, our goal is to educate and entertain smart and committed runners. A bit more on that from Mike Trees. And the aim of this podcast is to give, in a light-hearted, amusing and entertaining way, hints and tips to help you all run better and enjoy your sporting life more. So let's see how we can go with that. Mike's being pretty modest. He has over 50 years of running and doing triathlons under his belt. And if you're wondering about me, I've been in the endurance sport game for about 25 years now, done a sub three hour marathon and completed an Ironman triathlon in 10 hours. We appreciate all the help and support that we can get. So if you can, please share out this episode to someone that you know that would like this. Oh, quick language warning. In some rare instances, we might use some bad words. So apologies in advance for that. This episode is near and dear to my heart. We nerd the F out and go deep on power and running. In particular, the top eight reasons why you should consider running power. I have yet to own or even use run power. So this is something I'm deeply curious about. Just a quick note, if you aren't into metrics, physics, and data, then this might not be for you. And feel free to go to another episode. But if you're into this stuff, then please keep listening on and share this with other running nerds. Rather than have you wait around for the eight reasons why run power should be considered, I'll give you a quick recap right now. One, it improves your running economy. Two, you can know when you're overtraining. Three, it helps you know when you stop improving. Four, it boosts your training specificity. Five, it helps you get your power to weight ratio correct. Six, you understand your pace per watts. Seven, you end up pacing perfectly with run power. And eight, you can use a sort of scientific method to help you choose the fastest running shoe for you. So here's what to expect in this episode format. We'll first start off with a quick warm up to see where we're at in our current training. Then we'll get into the meat of the episode, obviously running power. Then we'll end it with our episode question, would you rather focus on high cadence or longer stride length? Enough blabbering from me. Keep listening to find out more details about the eight tips for running power and if it's for you. Hey, Mike. So uh, how's your training going? Yep. Yeah, uh, I said last week I've been locked up, not allowed to train. Been back to the hospital, all good. The eyes pretty much healed, so I'm officially okay to get out and uh, do some gentle training. They said so. I've been out swimming, cycling, and running, and uh, pushing the boat out a little bit. <laughs> so how about with you? How's the cold with you? The cold, uh, I got over it, and I ended up going to a proper specialist. Um, we're well, not specialist, but. I was like, hey, you know, this isn't clearing up. I feel tired. What is this? And the first day, like, did you get a COVID? I'm like, yes, I got a COVID test. I don't have COVID. And they were like, all right. Um, yeah, it's just a sinus infection. And you know how non-performance endurance doctors, they're like, mm. 
you just need to take off. You're just tired. I'm like, no, 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 no. This isn't normal. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> like, this is, this is something that, and then, and then they basically were like, it's going to clear up. Sinus, infect- sinus infections take, you know, a while, sometimes a few weeks. And they gave me this thing that tastes horrendous. And within 24 hours, like, I just started feeling like a new person. But we're not talking about, you know, workout yeah. volumes and sickness on this episode. We're talking about something that's near and dear to my heart as a cyclist, as a triathlete. Uh, And it's very new and running, and it is power. Warm-up complete. Interesting. I got into power in the uh, early days. So I started my distribution business and decided I was going to get back into coaching and sports, and and that's where I'm happy being. But I still have a a business partner in the UK, uh, and we do little fun little things together. And about five years ago, maybe six years ago now, he said, Mike, we've got to get into power with running. Stride is where it's at, the little gadget. And so we we looked at this and started working with Stride uh, and measuring power. So I learned quite a lot about power in the early days. Uh, and then... What, what were the early days? Give me the, the exact timing, the, the year. Ooh... Could be seven years ago now. Whoa. Uh, so it, right, it, it hadn't, they, they literally had just developed power. Uh, and uh, I'd done a little bit of power, obviously, uh, cycling with, with triathlete. And just to simply, I know you have a few questions, but to simply differentiate between power in cycling and power in running, and this is what I, I'm not a real physicist expert, computer specialist in terms of all the algorithms and everything, but simply put, my take on it is power on the bike, for example, if you have it in the crank or wherever it is, it's measuring the torque. It's measuring how much pull there is. And they can measure it in such micro nanny millimeters that it's pretty accurate. But it's actually a physical measurement that they're, they're getting to work out how much power you are delivering when you are cycling but running it's an algorithm that's estimating it it's not an actual measurement it's using 3d three 3d accelerometers in the pod that measure your your movement in time and space uh, and they're calibrated to work out an estimation of how much power you have so it won't be for example if you're going uphill uh, on a muddy course on the bike you have to put out more power to do that. But if you're going uphill on the sand, it's not as accurate because it's estimating how much more power you need to run on the sand as opposed to tarmac or on the tarmac opposed to grass. Uh, and it's estimating how much the wind will take an effect on your running. So it's getting pretty good. And I think Stride is still the market leader and they are the most accurate, but it's not as exact science as it is in cycling, it's still an, an estimation. So that's the, a slight variation, slight difference between power in cycling and running. Great description. I actually did not know that. And I'm sure I would have found that through hours of research, but it just took you two minutes to tell me that. So uh, <laughs> that's way easier. So what, what exactly is running power? What is it in reference to heart rate, pace, and perceived rate of exertion? No, I, I think we need to go back Further than that. Okay. So, power. So, power is force over time. So, every time you run, 
you generate force with a push-up with your foot as you push off the ground, that throw up. That is creating force. And if you do 200 steps a minute, that force is a unit of energy that we, we call power, which is generally measured in what? So that power is a measurement of force over time. Uh, I wasn't the world's greatest physicist, so if any physicists out there want to correct me, they, they can, but I think that's pretty simple uh, estimation of it. So, that, so what we're trying to do is measure the force of each stride. Now, on the bike, when we turn the pedal, we can measure that force directly through the power through going through the crank. But with the running, again, as I said, we have a, a little pod on our foot. We have buried it in the early days. We actually had in the heart rate monitor on the chest. Uh, but again, it's estimating how much power we are doing. And it's trying to come up with a number uh, that we, we think could be more accurate than using heart rate, for example. So say if you're a runner, uh, and I have this, a lot of people, they run with a smartwatch and it's got an optical sensor. The heart rate is worth diddly squat. Uh, so <laughs> runner say, oh, I can't get my heart rate as low as you. It's almost 220. I'll say, yep, that's because the optical sensor, for whatever reason, doesn't work on you. There may be sweat on there. There may be dust on the optical mo monitor. It may be just picking up two beats. It's just, they're not very accurate. So... Uh, they're thinking that maybe, you know, power is another way. So you can actually calibrate the power to have zones, power zones, pretty much the same as you have with heart rate. So you can say, I'm running at, uh, my, we'll say your threshold, your, uh, lactic threshold, we call it in running is, we'll say 165 heart, heart rate. It might be 300 watts running. So you might say, well, uh, my easy run is going to be 200 watts. My recovery run 150 watts. And my zone five absolutely caning it is going to be 400 watts. And you can then try and calibrate your, your power with running, uh, to use that instead of heart rate. Uh, the, the idea is that it's more instantaneous. So if I pick up the pace, uh, running, there's a time lag, uh, between my heart rate registering it and then my actual, uh, heart monitor picking it up. So it might be that I start running at threshold, uh, which is, say I want to run three, I'm going to use simple maths. A lot of people won't run this quick. I want to run three minutes per kilometer pace. So I jump the pace up to three minutes per kilometer pace. My heart rate is initially 120. It might take a minute or two minutes for that heart rate to drift up to the new level before it stabilizes. Science, they usually say three minutes. So when you do scientific tests, for the heart rate to stabilize at a new level, they usually have you running for three minutes. So if I run, there could be three minute lag between my heart rate stabilizing at this new level. Whereas if I'm using power and I up the pace, the power goes up instantly. So I have a much quicker uh, feedback. Uh, and that's why power is, is considered to be a, a useful tool. It's much quicker feedback than you get from heart rate. Yeah, and uh, the, the the pacing also, because um, a lot of people, you know, pace was the gold standard for metrics to to focus on in in a lot of things. And then we talked about that in our last podcast um, together, or sorry, you know, many, many podcasts to go together where you were like, pace, 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 because pace is, you know, it's mostly uh, indicative of what's happening. But even then, pace uphill is where things get a bit tricky because you, a lot of people exert too much force and too much power 
and they zap themselves on hills. Whereas, and then when they go down a hill, and it's the same thing with with cycling. Um, you know, a lot of people can't hold power down hills when that's when you need to be holding power. And it takes you a while of having a power meter when you ride a bike to understand, man, holding 250 watts going down a hill is quite difficult to do. It's easier to go up a hill. Um, a lot of people, you know, zap themselves doing too much power. So the same could be said about running where you, you can start kind of, I guess, feathering the gas, as they say, uh, and like really going, all right, I don't need to really go knowing this is where I need to be for this race or this yeah, workout yeah. or whatever it is. This is yeah. where I need to be. I then can get to the end of race feeling good. I'll have a kick at the end of the race did it out based on the race profile. So that's, that's, that's my take on it. Yes. So I agree. So again, we're saying that power is a quicker feedback mechanism than heart rate. So that's, that's one of the advantages of of training to, to power. So if you're going up a hill, a short burst over the top of a hill, your heart rate might not actually rise until you got over the top of that hill. Whereas if you're looking at the power numbers, you might think, oh, actually I need to just keep it a nice constant pace. I know I'm going to slow down, but so long as I'm putting out the same power, I'm actually running more efficiently because in a race, you want to keep that power number as, as constant as possible. So it, it's quite useful little tool for keeping the pace constant. And, and that's one advantage over pace alone. If you're going off-road, on-road, uphill, downhill, uh, there's lots of different differences that you could argue that power is a good tool. But then again, you can also argue the other side of the coin that power is still an algorithm on, on the running. It's not like a bike where it's an exact number. It's still estimating the power going up that hill. It's still estimating the power going through the mud. It's not giving an absolute figure. So that uh, the, the people who, who haven't converted to power yet are still saying, well, it's not 100% accurate. At least heart rate is what I'm actually doing. It's an actual number. Whereas power with running is still an estimation it's a pretty good estimation uh but uh, and i would say stride is still the best estimation but there, there's some pretty ropey ones out there as well where it's just you know a, a very simple algorithm that it, it's not worth doing so you have to make sure you have a, a pretty accurate power meter uh, and i think in cycling all the power meters are pretty much accurate now pretty you know there might be a a little difference between the, the readings, but they're, they're, they're constant. Each, each one will give a constant reading as long as you get used to working with your meter. Whereas with running, I think there's a lot of uh, ones that, that don't really have the, the accelerometers and the, the profile set up correctly. So there's some spurious readings still coming out in running with power. Ah, good, good to know. Yeah, with, with cycling, there's, I've tried a few different power, pedal-based power meter. Mm. Um, there's... A, a, Try the crank, uh, sorry, the, the hub based one, power tap. Yeah. And I never had a crank based one, but, um, I know that, you know, based on the different ones, your, your power meter is accurate to your bike. So you can't, you can't go, Oh, this hub based one compared to this pedal based one. So I know there's discrepancies (laughs) in that sense. Exactly. Yeah. But there's also, I try to wind, wind, W I N D air, wind, wind based power meter. Um, that was really damn accurate. Um, and that was really interesting because it was like half the price of the power meters was like $250. Uh, and this, uh-huh. this was like four or five years ago when power meters were coming in, they were starting to come down, but they were about six, five, $600 for like yeah. a one-sided Garmin pedal. And Ooh. then this wind-based one came out and DC Raymaker, who I'm sure a lot of people know, uh, who does the reviews and all the, uh, fitness tech stuff. And he was like, he was like, this thing is accurate. And I was like, holy shit. He, and that's all he cares about. He goes, I don't care if it's a hamster inside of a, he, uh, this, I'm quoting him. Yeah. I don't care if it's a hamster inside of a wheel. 
I want to know if this damn thing is accurate. I don't care how pretty it is. I don't care how much it fucking costs. He's like, is this thing accurate? And um, I was like, amen, sir. Like, that is exactly, you know, it needs to be accurate and consistent throughout. And he went, you know, and he has his, whenever he does his power meter test, it's hilarious. He has like literally eight different power meters. He has three watches, four different computers on his bike. And he's like testing them and he has the graphs and he shows the different ones. And he's like, this is really, and even when you coast, it was accurate. So I digress. Um, I won't talk about running. Too, sorry, cycling too much. Um, it's the only thing I have because I have yet to, to I have power. I'm very, very interested. What are the tips to get started? Uh, someone like me who, who I understand the power metric very well. I would say I'm a serious athlete. I'm, I'm far from elite, but I'm very serious. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat fast, uh, objectively speaking. So how, how should I get started? How can I get started? Um, obviously, well, I, I, by the power meter first. <laughs> I am sure if I'm actually going to a lab and doing lab testing, which really you should do with running, but nobody does. They just go out and do 220 minus the rage and off they go and work out some, some heart rate zone. Add break. This episode is brought to you by Energy Coaching, which is Mike Tree's coaching service. Mike and his team of coaches work with beginners to pros and all levels in between. No one is too fast and no one is too slow. They just want a desire to learn and improve. They focus on 1500 meter races to marathon running and triathlon training. Energy coaching is constantly overbooked. So Instagram and this new podcast venture, Trees and D Lake, gives Mike and the rest of his energy coaching team a way to reach out to more people and help them. Contact Mike and his team at the letters nrg-coaching.com or go to the link in the show notes. And back to the show. I would hopefully think that if you're a bit more serious, You'll go out and work out what your maximum heart rate is, work out some zones, then do some training, look at the heart rate over time and sort of tweak it and recalibrate it and pretty much work out, you know, what your, your zones are for you rather than taking them off a book. So that, that's where we've got to with a lot of training my athletes, you know, I'll, I'll keep tweaking their heart rate zones as they do 10K run, half marathon runs and different things and, uh, and we'll, we'll work out where we're at. Uh, but what you can then do is you can then go out and put the, the power meter on the pod on your foot and run and see what powers you put out in the different zones and start to try calibrating the, the power meter to the heart rate. Is there an FNB test? Sorry. For the, for the power meters. Yeah, you yeah. go out and, and run and yeah, they have a, a track you can run the track and do an FTP test like you would do with the, uh, with a standard, uh, I would say an FTP test would be better doing on a treadmill, that, it, that it's constant. Um, oh, good to know. Very good. It would be interesting yeah. to do an FTP test on the field. Sorry, uh, FTP is functional threshold power. Threshold power. Uh, yeah. So it's similar to, uh, I'd say it's similar. Lactate threshold. Exactly. So doing functional threshold power is, is technically the, the equivalent of your lactic threshold. Uh, and that's... Uh, so that you want to know whether you're working aerobically or anaerobically is a simple way of putting it. Uh, and if your functional threshold power, for example, comes out at 240, then running up to 240 watts means you're running aerobically and over 240 watts means you're running anaerobically. Uh, and so you can use the power threshold to vary your speed. It's also always a mixture too, right? Once you... Yeah. Yeah, it's a mixture of uh, both uh, aerobic and anaerobic when you get around the threshold, correct? Uh, well, that's the way you're complicating it out. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it simple. So 
where, where I've said this before, it, it, that threshold zone is actually, it's like it's snowing. Uh, and when it snows really heavily, it builds up and the snow builds up. Uh, and when it snows lighter, it melts. And that's, that's pretty much the threshold. It's not a pinpoint, it's a zone, really, of, of building up lactic and reabsorbing it out of the body. Uh, but but say, when going back to the, the power, uh, you, can, you can use that power to, as a number. Now, people say it's not very common in running uh, as opposed to uh, cycling. Well, yeah, when you're cycling, you're on the bike, you look down at the speedometer or the power meter right in front of you, and it's a nice big figure, and it's not shaking around. When you're running, I'm trying to focus on my running, and every time I have to look at the watch to see what my power number is, I'm upsetting my running action. I'm not running naturally anymore. I'm, ah, was that 250? Was it 239? Oh, I'm, it's not the same. On the bike, I can see the number, and I know it's an accurate number, and it's a representation, and away I go. Also, on the bike, you argue that you have inertia. The, the wheels are moving, and the bike is moving. It's easy, actually, to, to back off a little bit on the bike and still keep rolling along and think that you're working hard. Whereas you don't have wheels when you're running. You have each time you hit the ground, you're creating that force and you're going. It's, there isn't the same change in power as easily, as, as quickly as you have in cycling. So that number is more important. I can be cycling along. At, we'll say my threshold is 250. Uh, and the wind changes direction and I'm still going the same speed. And I look down, wow, I'm only putting 150 watts. But it still feels as it's quite tough. So it's quite useful to think on the bike, yes. I've got to now up my power. But the running, there's much more feeling. You don't, the power doesn't vary that quickly. You're not going to drop from 150 uh, or, or go up to 250 that easily. You have to make a real conscious effort to change the pace because you don't have the wheels like you do in, on the bike that can keep you moving and the, uh, the inertia. So, and, and also it's harder to see the watch when you're running because the, your arms are moving. So it's not as popular uh, in running as it is in cycling so there's still lots of little things to overcome in running uh, that is stopping power from becoming a a popular tool in, in the running world it sounds like that once the heads up display you know glasses become a thing, uh, which google i thought google glasses were going to do that there's another company i think it's called raptor they have the heads up display for running and cycling um which is it's just a bit too expensive i can't i can't justify a toy um <laughs> i have well, to good thing now by the way, form goggles in swimming. Oh, um, really? Well, swimming at the new, the, they do, they do heart rate, they do stroke rate, they do speed, they do lap and everything. Oh, man. Uh, and so it, it's the technology's there. Uh, uh, it hasn't been mass produced. I think maybe it comes down to the fact that runners are basically tight. They don't like spending money. Except on vapor flies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they'll drop three, four hundred dollars, whatever it is for, in your country for a vapor fly in a second. Um, that, you know, and then they, after 300 kilometers they're they're buying the next pair of paper flies. Um, I, I know, I think when the heads up display comes into play, mm. um, I, it, it could be, that'd be a game changer. It would be a game changer. I think when Apple glasses, there's a lot of rumors floating around that Apple's going to be the first one to do it and they're going to have AR. And if I could have all my metrics, you know, from my watch okay. in my, like, I could just put it up here with my glasses yeah. on. Phenomenal. It gives me a map for cycling. You know, if I'm going in some adventure ride. I could see my heart rate over here. I could see my, my pace and my power over here. And not in, holy shit. And, you know, like that, that's what I think is going to be a game changer. And if they can make them $500 or whatever, 
I think then, you know, it's, <laughs> you got to get the, you know, for me, I'd get the glasses. I have to get the new Garmin because my problem is that I have the old Phoenix 3. It works kind of fine. Um, I think it's starting to be on its last leg uh, for a few reasons. But um, I need to get the new Phoenix, I think, six minimum to be able to track the power metric. So I can't even get running power on this watch. Therefore, I have to upgrade my watch. I have to buy the stride power meter. I'm in Australian dollars, so you have to do 1.5 times U.S. dollars. Uh, and then if I want to get glasses, it's like $2,000 Australian later. And, you know, I've got, you know, I've got running power. And I'm kind of like, D- is that worth it? Is that actually worth it? So um, that- we've answered our own question, haven't we, about why it's not, not, <laughs> not begin running just yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, question, just going back to what you're talking about, about running in different conditions. How does the power meter know? That you're in mud, sand, tarmac, wind. It, it doesn't. It uh, uh, this is when when I was working with the drive, they hadn't actually got those algorithms up up and running. Now they they've got one that takes account of this event. I think where the wind flows, so it takes account of the wind. So that's more accurate now. But I still think that running on surfaces is still not quite there. Uh, and I stand to be corrected on that, but I know wind is, is much better taken of account of now, but, uh, the surface one is, is still a problem, I think. Mm. Good to know. All right. So this is the question that I've kind of been struggling with, um, and not struggling with, but it's my burning question. And you might, since you're a pro athlete and you, you know, stride very well and you know, a lot of cool pros, you might be able to answer this. Um, how come no I don't know of any. I'm probably not looking hard enough, but I have yet to see a Kipchoge caliber or a, uh, you know, uh, uh, a Brownlee or any other big runner triathlete promote, sorry, pro professional big promote a power meter, whether it's stride or anything. Um, why is that? If, if they are not, maybe please tell me if they are. Um, Cause I feel like if they're openly promoting it, that would drive sales and, and awareness, general awareness of it. Do you agree? Yes. So I got a power meter, the few, and, and tried running with them. But basically, as runners, we run to field. And I don't care what you say. I don't use a power meter to run. I live with my power meter on the bike. I have, as you say, I've got, you know, one in the hub. I've got another on a different bike. I've got some pedals with power on, Apiamo pedals with power on. I've got a, a Wahoo trainer just out of view here, which is set up with power. And, and I do that more than speed now because I just want to know that I'm putting out, you know, the power at my functional threshold power that I know is the right power for me, uh, my FTP, and away I go. Uh, and, and I look at that more than heart rate even. But with running... The heart rate's an interesting one. I, I like looking at the metric, but I don't take a lot of interest from it because if I can hold a higher heart rate, I'll hold a higher heart rate. I still think that as runners, we still like to think that we run on feel. And the top guys, yeah, I can feel this pace. This is about right. And I can maintain this for the duration of the interval or the race that we're doing. Uh, and, and the heart rate for me sometimes is just a little check. Uh, oh, it's a little bit higher than I thought. Uh, I think beginners tend to really base their whole run around their heart rate. And say, oh, I'm running, my heart rate's too fast. I got to slow down. I got to speed up. Well, hang on a minute. If you can maintain a higher heart rate for the whole run, uh, why do you need to slow down? If it's a race, for example, and you, you say, oh, my target heart rate today is 150. 
and I'm going to do a BB. But you're running at 160, they'll slow down. Well, maybe you could just hold 160. At the end of the day, speed is everything. It doesn't matter what the heart rate is, what the power number is, uh, what the stride, what the cadence is, the stride length is. All we measure races in, if, if that's where we're going down that, that avenue, is by speed. The fastest person to get across the line wins. Uh, and I think power really does help you become efficient uh, on the bike. But I don't think it's there yet. I, I'm happier ready to feel than I am to power. Uh, I can feel a much better thing. And, and because it's an algorithm, I still don't think it's 100% accurate. Uh, and, and there's nothing much I can do to change it. I'm running along at a certain pace. Uh, and I don't feel that that pace feels nice. I'm not going to slow down because the number on there is, is, is different. Uh, well, same with, with running. I wouldn't slow down because my heart rate was five beats too high. I have it. Having now just knocked power, I, I, I need to come back and say, one of the benefits of it, there are, there are some benefits that if I want to pick the best pair of shoes for me, and people say, oh, it's the Alpha Fly, it's the Vapor Fly, no, it's the new Metaspeed from ASICS. Well, I'm just going to get on a treadmill and I'm going to fix a few metrics. I'm going to say, I'm going to put it 1% gradient because that is equivalent to running outdoors. And I'm going to pick the speed at my 10K race speed. I'm going to make this up three minutes, 30 seconds. So everything's fixed. And then I'm going to put my power meter on and I'm going to run uh, five kilometers. I'm going to measure what the number is. Uh, at the end of that, we'll say the number comes out at 250 watt average for the 5K. I'm going to then take my ASICS Metaspeed shoes off. And I'm going to put my Vaporfy shoes on. And I'm going to do the exact same thing again. Now, I don't need to worry about heart rate because the heart rate can go through the roof. All I'm doing is fixing the same metric 1% gradient 3 minutes 30 and I'm just going to measure how much power I use now if I do that same test and my power meter with the metas with the uh, alpha flies or the vapor flies measured 240 watts means I've now saved 10 watts different so that obviously means I'm more efficient so the lower the number the more efficient you are so in that case I would say oh I have a lower wattage output running in vapor flies than the meta speed. Therefore, my new chosen shoe to race in will be the vapor fly. Uh, and then when ASICs come out with the, the meta speed uh, turbo version five, uh, and they're only 300, I mean, only 200 watts for the same run. So, oh, I'm even more efficient. I'm now going to drop my vapor fly and run in the ASICs new turbo boost meta speed. So it, it's quite good. It, it has a good, it has a purpose in there that you can actually monitor what shoe is the most efficient to run in and scientifically come up with an answer. For, for your individual self. For your individual, and it might vary. But, if, but another good thing that you, you can compare uh, with, like with cycling is when we go for a bike ride, it's good to know what our average wattage was for the whole ride. The same with running. You, you might go out uh, and it might be windy. There might be lots of variations. Your time might vary, but it's good to know if you're on a, you know, it's as long as the, the terrain doesn't vary too much in terms of mud and, uh, concrete, you can measure the wattage output and think, well, I was slower, but it was a really windy day, but my wattage output was the same. So therefore I still worked at the same effort as I did. Uh, and that's not so relevant. You, you don't get that information as clearly with just heart rate alone. 
So what can give you an average watt for the whole run? And you can compare runs and see which was the average workout was better. And over time, you might even do a, a test run, like a five kilometer on a course. And over time, find out that you're actually putting out less watts as you're going around, uh, which means you're becoming more efficient. You're changing your running style. You're learning to land uh, better, push off better. Uh, the muscles are working more efficiently. Uh, and so you're actually using less wattage to go the same speed. So it'd be quite useful, little tools like that. Uh, also, you can get a treadmill and I could say, okay, pick your cadence up uh, and let's run with a higher cadence. Slow your cadence down and let's see what wattage is best, which is the most efficient for you. So we can use it in the lab. And I think it's a very good tool in the lab to, to test, to see how our power output varies with different running styles, different cadences, different stride lengths. So there are lots of useful tools for it. Uh, and then finally, answering your question, Stride's a very small company out of Boulder, Colorado. It might just be that they haven't got the money to pay the sponsorship fees for Kip Joge, who's with Chorus, or for Alistair Brownlee or Jonathan Brownlee or Tim Don. So it, that, that could come the fact that these companies, it's, it's not on their list of priorities just yet. Uh, and when they've got more of a disposable income, it, it's selling more they can afford to sponsor more athletes. Good answer. I like that answer. Uh, I'll, I'll take that one. What other companies, speaking of Stride, what other companies are there that are doing power? Well, this is, I, I only really know of, of Stride as, a, as a, a good reputable company. I mean, Garmin do it, but it, it's based on an, an algorithm in the watch. It's not, not as accurate. And I think a lot of other companies do have a very simple algorithm. They just put it in the watch. So like you, you put the polar heart rate monitor on and they'll be a, a they'll get some power coefficient uh but stride is is by far the only really reputable one that i know of uh again i think chorus might do it I, i'm i'm up you know happy for the listeners to correct me on this but uh stride do it and i know that garmin do some sort of power coefficient although that garmin actually works with stride and i would suggest that if you're going to use power i would buy stride and link it up to your garmin how, how would you sum up someone using run power and, and getting into run power? Personally, I, I think it's beyond 90% of people listening and out there. Most, when I talk to them and they have no idea what they're doing with heart rate, I, I talk to runners that use heart rate training and it, they, they, they're using optical heart rate monitor. They don't know what the maximum heart rate is. They don't know what the minimum heart rate is. They don't know the threshold. They're just into the metrics. And I think a lot of people will get into power just because it's another metric that's interesting. Uh, if, you, if you're geeky and you like that and it excites you, get into it. I think it has a useful place in the lab. If you can get a treadmill, it's very useful to test shoes, for example, to uh, test your running efficiency, change your stride. And for me, that's fascinating. Change your running pattern, change your cadence, change your stride length, relax your arms more, lean forward more, do lots of different tests and come up with your own test and just measure the wattage output and see how efficient you are at different ways of running and what it varies. So there's, there's uses of it there. But running, actually out training, I'd rather run to feel. Uh, I still think that I'm happier with just getting out there and, and learning to run to feel. And I think most people are, would still be much better just learning how their body functions at different paces. 
So I think for most people, they just need to learn and understand their own bodies a little bit more before getting into power. Main set finished. Let's move into the cool down. So as we do, here is a question for the listeners. We want to make this a two-way conversation. So please, you know, write in your answers, either uh, Instagram or you can email. What is it? Uh, holler at delaycreates.com. Instagram is the easiest. Uh, message me, direct message me at run.nrg. The, letter, uh, the, the letters. The letters, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I tend to reply to everyone. And you can also go to his poll because he'll probably do a poll. We'll both probably do a poll. I'll do a poll on it yeah. as well. Yeah. All right. So the question is, drum roll. Would you rather run with a high cadence or a longer stride length? So which would you choose and why? Mike, your answer. So speed is cadence times stride length. So I would pick them both. So if I want to go quicker, if one of you keep one variable, so if I keep the stride length the same and pick the cadence up, I'm going to go quicker. If I keep my cadence the same and lengthen my stride, I'm going to go quicker. So uh, both of them work. Uh, according to uh, Dan Lieberman, Professor Lieberman, Harvard, uh, 170 to 180 is you know, you get the pitch you should be running at, uh, you know, obviously short people higher, smaller people lower. So, uh, so you mean, you mean was, taller, short, shorter people higher, taller people lower? Yeah. So shorter okay. people will have a higher cadence. Got you. Taller people will have a lower cadence. Got you. So if you feel that you, your cadence is about the maximum it's at, the only other way when going quicker is by lengthening your stride. That's the only two options you have. So uh, it, it's a trick question in a sense. For me, I, I like to always up the cadence because it spares the muscles. I have a big, strong heart. Uh, and uh, if I pick up the cadence, I'm working the heart more and sparing the muscles. If I go to stride length, that's working my muscles. And as I got older, I've lost a lot of muscle mass. Uh, and so I find that it's harder. So you might find that older people actually want cadence as the answer and younger people more want stride length as the answer. It, it'd be interesting to know. But for me, it's easy to go quicker with a quicker cadence rather than a longer stride length. What about you? Yep, that, that's if I were to pick one, because it was a trick question on purpose. And then, like you said, to go faster, you have to do both. Um, but, you know, for easy runs, always a higher cadence. And the way I found to do it, because I have a big music DJ background, production background, is that 180 is is, is my... So I actually vary my cadence based on the, the run. Um, and I'm between 175 and 180 for easy runs. Um, basically, the faster I go, the higher my cadence. And then for like... 5K stuff, 3K stuff, one mile stuff, sprints, I'll be closer to 185 cadence. Um, I found that to be optimal. That's that's 10 years of figuring this out. And what I do is I've got a lot of drum and bass DJ mixes. I don't know if you listen to drum and bass anywhere, listener, but drum and bass is huge in the UK. And I fortunately was able to love and fall in love with drum and bass as, uh, as I got into the big club scene in the early 2000s. Um, and it's the perfect cadence for <laughs> running because drum and bass is between 170 and 190. So what I do is, and this is a really cool hack, is you could do this many ways, uh, but I have a, I downloaded the VLC video app for my iPhone. I'm sure they have it for Android. And you can change the speed of the audio file. 
So there's no other program that can change the speed of an audio file that you that you upload that I know of. Like you can't do it in Apple Music. You can't do it on Spotify. Spotify doesn't have DJ mixes. You can't do it on any. So you can't do it on SoundCloud. You can't change the pace. So I can dial in the exact tempo by changing the speed of the track and it doesn't actually alter the pitch, the key. So it doesn't sound like chipmunks or like, you know, um, and I only alter it. It's like literally 1%. So a lot of DJ mix is about 174 BPM. So I want to run 180. I just do 1% and I'm 180. And then I could do 2% and I'll be 185. So that's been my amazing hack that I'm sure not too many of you care about, but uh, that has been my saving grace. And it's this fluid 60, 90 minute long, two hour long kind of uh, musical experience that I can do on my rate, easy runs, my hard runs. I even do it on races where they allow headphones um, low. I always put the volume low so I can hear everything around me. But, uh, but that, that's been, and, and because I've been doing it for so many years, I now don't run with music and I can hold 180 now with no problem. It used to be really hard. 10 years ago when I started, it was really, really difficult to hold a high cadence because I would overstride. I'm sure I was a heel striker before I, I really dialed it in. So that's my long answer. And Mike, I know you have something to say about that. Yeah, so uh, I, I tell people they should try and aim for higher cadence. Uh, and the answer all the time is, oh, when I'm in a higher cadence, my heart rate goes through the roof. That's because you're not shortening your stride. If you run at a higher cadence, you have to shorten your stride. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. So therefore, if you pick up your cadence and leave your stride length the same, you will be going quicker. If you go quicker, your heart rate works harder because you're going faster. So yes, you'll be tired. So I'm not saying go faster. I'm just saying pick up your cadence. So to go at a quicker cadence, to stay the same speed, you have to drop the stride length a little bit. Uh, and that's what a lot of people don't get. So if you go quicker, pick up the cadence, shorten the stride and yeah you will be a little bit inefficient at first your heart rate might rise a little bit but give it a few weeks uh, and it'll become natural and the heart rate will settle at, at a, the, the old level it was before well it might even be lower colin Norris is a, 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 an up-and-coming pro there's, there's a lot of the guys all say mike you, you know short distance it's okay having a cadence around about 100 but uh when you go a longer distance iron man you need to lower it to about 80 uh yeah. you can't maintain that high cadence that's what they're all telling me uh, I'm not going to argue with Tim Don because he has, he has done a seven-hour Ironman, so I won't argue with you. Um, this, is, this is the beauty of endurance sports. Um, obviously, you got more experience, so I've got my own experience and my own opinion about things, but there's, there's no right or wrong way. Um, I will always lean on the side of, of experienced people in, in science, um, but at the same time... But yeah, but I said that. If your heart rate is lower at a different way, it means your body is more efficient set up that way. You are the most efficient person in the world doing sports the way you do it if i try to copy you and run in your style ride a bike your way swim your way i would be less efficient than you so you might not be as efficient as you could be but you are the most efficient person at doing what you're doing so that's what people need to also remember that's good that's good i like that all right well i'll end it there because i'm sure we could keep talking about all this stuff um thank you all for listening and we'll see you soon let's go Welcome to the show, I'm your host Aaron So, aka D-Lake, tips and tactics, you can train like a pro, 
this cast to help you and faster than you could go. All the PR should compete in course records that comes in your upcoming season. Right. Don't you agree? Endurance sports, a metaphor for life. That's that metaphor, baby. Eating clean so you can rest and sleep all night. Don't master a lot. Don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none. Just be, just be a master of some. Is the health and fitness internet too much sometimes? Too many conflicting articles and videos that confuse you on how to train and eat right? Or you don't have time to just read and watch everything about, I don't know, the new trends on carb cycling for trail running. Don't worry, we'll take care of all that for you. Sign up for our free email newsletter, Three Thing Thursday. One, two, three. We'll put three perfectly curated and created things in your inbox for better living and training. Go to delaycreates.com slash TTT. We do the hard time-consuming work and scour the health and fitness internet's deepest and darkest corners. This is so that every Thursday, you have a piping hot new email with the latest and coolest tips, tricks, tools, tactics, and skills, all so that you can train and live consistently to do dope shit in your next endurance event. If you sign up now, you can receive my quick guide on how to get healthy, stay fit, and use data to create habits that last a lifetime. That's delatecreates.com slash TTT to be inspired and motivated on the regular. Time. Time is a resource no one can make more of, so we appreciate you taking precious time out of your day to listen this far. Our goal is to show the world how to live better through running, cycling, and triathlon. The episode and many others have a transcription. Go to the show notes description to find out more. This was produced in Sydney, Australia, and I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land. I pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and future. I recognize their continuing connection to the land, waters, and culture. These lands were stolen and sovereignty was never ceded. If you like this episode, again, we'd highly appreciate it if you go on whatever app you listen to and make sure to follow Delay Creates Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Acast, and a bunch of others. And if you're feeling real loose, a rating, review, or share of this episode to anyone you know that would be into something like this would be amazing. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions for the episode, or hell, you want to be on the show, hit us up. The best way is to email talk, T-A-L-K, at dlakecreates.com. We're also on the socials, mainly Instagram. You can hit up Mike Trees at the letters R-U-N dot N-R-G. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at dlakecreates.com. Or just wherever you can find us is fine. If you need any transcripts, you're into podcasting, or let's say you just are big into accessibility, please use the company that we use, SpeechDocs. You can check them out at speechdocs.com. Don't worry if you didn't get all that. There's a link in the show notes description. Thank you again so much for listening. Peace.